I think when you're starting the business, you think everything is really going to be linear. I got it all. Everything is going to work out perfectly. All I got to do is X, Y, and Z, these metrics, and they're all going to work out. But what you really have to remember is that you're going to get a lot of feedback along the way. And in most cases, you know, I really truly believe things do happen for a reason. So you lose a key employee, you lose a key contract, you know, you have a major disaster, you get a lawsuit, you get things that are going to happen. But the way you have to face those things is that they are truly feedback and that you need to take your learnings from those things and then just redirect. You can't take it personally. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. We've got a great show for you today. We've got Gabe Cool Guy Cooley on the show today, president of Rayco Exteriors. You can find Gabe at LinkedIn, C-O-O-L-E-Y, and he is cool. He's got a new boat. He's got wonderful travel experiences with family and friends, and he's going to talk about how that happened, his path of positivity, productivity, and perseverance to get there. And he's going to talk about how to constantly vet who you spend time with, how to do it. On your way to the top, welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Gabe Cooley, thank you for coming in off of the shore, toweling down that chiseled chest of yours and making time for the Edge of Excellence podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to get started the way we always get started. Gabe Cooley, what is your definition of excellence? Uh, my definition of excellence is not leaving anything on the table. You know, for me, I want to be able to go to sleep at night feeling good about no regret, feeling that I, I put it all out there. I gave it my all. And I know tomorrow I can go back and do it again, but I'm not making up for the previous day. Okay. Not leaving anything on the table when you're fishing, not leaving anything on the table when you're flying down to Buenos Aires and going on Francis Malman's private island and eating food for five days cooked by numerous chefs, not leaving anything on the table with your buddies uh, when you're helping them out and not leaving anything on the table at work. Is that what you mean? That's right. You know, a lot of my friends that go fishing with me, (laughs) they say, you know, I tell them we're going to go for a half day of fishing. Do you know what a half day of fishing is? Yeah. You come in at four. (laughs) A half day is 12 hours. So that's a short day. (laughs) So so a a normal day for me would be like a 16 to 18 hour day. So usually we make or break our fishermen on the trip and decide who's coming next time based on whether or not their wives are at the dock with the Coast Guard. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, you got a cool life, the life of an entrepreneur. It's a hard life at first. And if you do it right, it becomes a life of freedom. You can choose it to be hard or easy later in life. And we're going to talk about how Gabe became an entrepreneur, what Rayco Exteriors is, why he picked that. And we're going to talk about more fishing because he got a new boat. And you may be like the third or fourth best fisherman I know. What would you rank yourself? Third or fourth? You would rank yourself above <laughs> Spencer Pepe. Come on. 
I'd have to be right there below Spencer Pepe. He was my mentor. You know, he taught me everything I know about Sandy. Sandy's above, above you too, right? He's a spear fisherman. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the greatest fishermen who also runs an awesome business is here with us today. We're going to go back in time and figure out how you ended up getting the big boat and get to travel all over the place with your buddies. Let's just go back way to high school. And I forget where you went to high school, Bakersfield, Victorville, you know, Victorville, somewhat similar to Bakersfield, the high desert. So you grew up in Victorville, you're going to high school and Victorville is kind of a kind of like New Mexico. There's not a whole lot going on there. Most of the time, there may not have been a lot of entrepreneurial mentors. What was life like in Victorville? What were you doing? Did you know what life looked like in your future? You know, definitely not. Um, you know, when I started high school, I was going to the same high school that my parents went to and all of my brothers had went to. And there was definitely already somewhat of a persona built for me when I went to high school. And that was challenging because, you know, I wanted to make my own path. And so after my freshman year, I changed high schools to a brand new high school that had been built. And that was a real big defining moment for me in the desert because nobody knew me there. And I could kind of kind of write my own book instead of what was left for me at the previous school. It also really opened a lot of doors for me because I could reinvent myself for who I thought I was. And, you know, at that point was a good moment for me because I was able to join wrestling. I got on the swim team you know, I got involved in ASB. You know, initially, I thought I was going to go into the Navy. I thought that was probably the only path for me. A lot of my family has been in the Navy. My uncle was a Navy SEAL. And I was like, that's awesome. That's a great path for me. It'll open up doors for me to go to college down the road. Uh, little did I know that I'd start getting recruited for different colleges based on, you know, how, how well I was doing with some of my extracurriculars. And so I ended up getting a scholarship to college. And that's how I got into UC Davis. For which sport? It was actually not sports. I was going to walk onto the wrestling team. But I did really well in physics, and my physics teacher really liked me, and he wrote me a letter of recommendation, and I ended up getting accepted to the mentorship in undergraduate undergraduate research and participation in the physical sciences, some MERPS program, and they were paying for about seventy five percent of my school. Uh, all I really had to do is, you know, basically three days a week, I had to work for four or five hours, and then write abstracts all week. Unfortunately, I got burnt on, burnt out on that pretty quick within my you know second year of college. All right. So, so your, your siblings went to the same high school, your parents went to the same high school, all the teachers knew who you were and they were pigeonholing you. And I've known you for a long time. I'm assuming you had these outrageous goals back then and maybe an outrageous view of where you were headed. I remember the first time I met you, you said, okay, I'm going to do 250 grand in college works. And I went, and I, I don't know if I told you this, I must've told you this before, but I would have talked you out of it. And for some reason that year, I said, I'll just let him think he can have that goal. But before I would have said, hey, dude, let's just pare that down a little bit. That's a little bit too big. No one's ever done that before. I don't think you can. And try to make you feel better about not hitting the goal so you wouldn't have a $200,000 a year and be all bummed out. And for some reason with you, something said, don't do that. And I forget what the number was before you hit the record, but it was like half or something crazy. And I remember thinking, that was weird that I didn't talk him out of it. When you were in high school, was that what was going on? You were getting pigeonholed as less than you were maybe? Or why, why did you want to go start afresh at a new school as a sophomore too, right? You moved after your freshman year. Yeah, I moved, moved as a sophomore. Um, first off, thank you for not talking me out of it and going with your gut and being worried about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Letting me figure it out on my own. Yeah, yeah in high school, you know, my, my brother got in a lot of trouble there. And he was always oh, suspended and in trouble. And therefore, I was getting suspended and in trouble and hanging out with his crew of buddies. And, um, you know, I just I just felt like there was a new opportunity at a new school where I didn't know anybody. 
and I can go make my mark there. Okay. And it, it was a great decision for me. It, it really worked out well for me because I was I got into ASB and all the sports and clubs. I became senior class president of my high school. There was over 900 students at my high school. And those were all just really big confidence building uh, steps for me. So I'll get people on the show that say uh, you are the sum of your five closest friends. And uh, I pro- that probably pops up every 10th episode or so. And so you as a young person realize, hey, wait a second, I can do better than this. I'm going to remove myself, get a new social circle, get people that are going to lift me up, get rid of some of the preset uh, notions as to who I am because people are misunderstanding who I am. And what a wise move you made. And, were you, and you were consciously making that move to get ahead because you wanted to um, move onward and upward in life. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to eliminate the toxic in my life. Yeah. Right. And really surround myself with people that were going to push me and motivate me. Yeah. Um, you know, oddly enough, in, in high school, I didn't, I don't have a bunch of long-term friends I kept from high school, but I do from college and from college works, actually. A lot of my best friends are, have been in college works or were associated with it. I actually originally started this, my business with someone else that was in college works. Yeah. Yeah. So you make this shift and I just, I'm just thinking about the person listening right now. Maybe they're thinking, Hey, everything's cool in high school, but I've got that same group in college. Or maybe they're thinking I got out of college and I'm falling into that group. You can make a choice to fire friends or change your circumstance or move. You just have to make the decision. So Gabe at a young age, 14 and a half, almost 15, I think, decided I'm going to get myself better circumstances. And then they dragged you into swimming and wrestling and ASB and physics. And I didn't even know what was your, what, what was your degree from Davis when you finally came out? Sociology. <laughs> <laughs> so you went in on physics. You got that mathematical mind, that science understanding, which probably helps you with some of the things you do. Uh, you did the College Works gig and uh, came out and started Reiko with who from College Works? Ricky Chu. Ricky Chu. Yeah. How can I forget that? I remember that now that you mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> so, and you're still hanging out with him and talking to him? Yeah, we're best buds. We're not partners over the past seven years. We have not been, but we still talk a lot. Uh, we hunt a couple times a year. Sometimes if I can get him on the fishing boat, I get him down here and we'll go. Oh, yeah. Ricky, if you're listening, don't go. Come with me and Spencer. Our half day is like <laughs> six hours. All right. Okay. So, uh, I do want to just hit real quick and, and we can think about people that can't do the college works gig. Cause it's only in uh, the Midwest. When you look at those years of taking physics and then later on taking sociology and working and, and I think having to pay for, for some of your college, what were some things that you had to overcome while you were this college works manager, which people that can't do it, you're running a business, you're in charge of everything. You're setting your own schedule. You have to get out there and market. You got to work 25 at least hours a week. In the summer, you're going to work 80 hours a week. And Gabe, you know, did 260000 $258,000. Um, the first one over 200. I think the first guy over 150 as well and did it with authority. What were some of the things that you had to overcome and some of the lessons that you took out of that that helped you start your business? Well, there's a lot. That's for sure. It's definitely a, a defining moment in my career and, and my development is being able to do the College Works Painting Program. I remember being so excited that I was going in for an interview and being hired and getting my little, my, my, my manager booklet and reading it on the plane uh, before the first training and realizing I left it on the plane before the first training. I was so nervous to go into the training without my booklet, you know, my training booklet. Now now that I remember it, you were hired in late December, the last hire of the year, as I remember when we were really packing it up, it was like finals week, wasn't it? 
It was, yeah. It was finals week. And I used you as an example for like 20 years. <laughs> Get back out there and recruit. Gabe Cooley got hired in the last week. And you were flying to training? Why were you flying to training? No, when I, I flew home for Christmas, I brought my book. Okay. And when I flew back, the training was right after that. And I left it on the plane. And I was so nervous to meet Tim at the training without my booklet. <laughs> okay, okay. You know? um, but some of the things that I overcame, you know, I think one of the challenging things was, you know, with my roommates and people I had chose to live with, you know, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome initially. Like I felt like I hadn't made it. I come from the high desert. They'd all come from more wealthy families than, than myself. And so college works was a, a time for me to really be able to prove myself, but I didn't realize how much their pull on me would really, really affect me. Meaning that I wasn't spending time with them every weekend, you know, finishing off the keg on Sunday morning. And I, w I wasn't going to all the parties and I wasn't spending as much time with my friends per se, because I was out there working, you know, trying to prove myself in the field. The neat part about college works is that you get quick feedback. So, you know, you can have a down afternoon, a down morning or, or a down day or weekend, but, it, but it's awesome because you get the opportunity to just get right back out there and do it again, right? Whether you're you know, knocking on doors or generating leads or doing estimates, you're getting feedback all the time. So you really improve on a, a, just a, a really fast pace. Okay. So uh, interesting. So you, you found yourself sacrificing uh, all this social life with these buddies of yours from college. Are you saying that you sacrificed social life or you just redefined who you're going to hang out with like you did in college and you switched to a more motivated group? Well, once I got over figuring out, it wasn't really sacrificing anything. You know, hanging out with my roommates, playing video games, uh, drinking Keystone Light wasn't the definition of success for me. And I was getting so much out of it. It, it made me redefine who my friends were. And, and a lot of my friends came through the College Works program. And I started spending more time with them than I was really with anybody else because I knew they were on a path like me. They, they wanted to go out there and do something bigger than what was in front of them at the time. And I became friends with all of them. So we started spending more time together and, and we have a ton of fun. I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. That was one of the things I loved about College Works is everybody there knew how to work really hard, but they also knew how to go out there and have a really good time. And it's even one of your, your core values, right? Work hard, play hard, and have fun. That's right. That used to be one of our values. We've redefined it in a more mature phrase. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So you kind of have a how-to of redefining your friendships. So you do it in high school. You look around. You get some prejudice against you. I, I know. I know how that goes. But you also realize that some of it's based on you and your circumstances and your choices in those circumstances. So you redefine your location and your circle. Then you go to college 
And again, you're out there fishing. We could use that. Um, and you find some highly motivated people. And for you, it was a college work, someone else. It might be some other super awesome internship out there where you're surrounded by like-minded people. So you kind of shift your friendship circle again. So if you're looking for a how-to on finding a great five closest friends that are going to lift you up, what I hear you saying is you seem to find people that are on the same path, check. You seem to be looking for people that are going to offer, not just take. And you talk about partnerships and they become your best friends, check. And then having fun and people that are fun. Uh, you mentioned values, have similar or same values. Anything else you look for in friends? You know, I really want people that are always going to be pushing me right? And, and holding me to a higher standard. I also want people that it's a hell yes to spend time with, right? Like I'm always excited to spend time with them. If, it, if it's ever becoming a drag, then it should probably become a disassociation of mine because time is limited, right? That's your most valuable asset. And so over the past years, I've done a lot of disassociations and every year really just leveled up more and more. And I find myself truly, really being the average of my, my five or 10 closest friends. Yeah. So one of your measurements, you're looking for people that are push hard and hold you accountable. And one way to measure that is hell. Yes. If you're listening right now, you can say hell yes for the wrong reasons. Hell yes. That guy's got a huge bag of heroin. I want to go hang out with him. That's not the right reason. <laughs> hell yes. We're going to go rob some banks and become rich real quick. Not the right reason. So you have to use your value filter when you're looking for uh, what do you, you call it? Disassociate from a bad influence and create friendships with the right type of people, you know, on the same path, offering, not just taking share values, pushing you, holding you accountable, fun. Um, there's kind of a checklist there. You have to interface your values with that checklist and then hell yes. You got to make sure you're saying hell yes for the right reasons. So I do that as well. I, I kind of evaluate and I find it pretty easy to find people I want to spend time with. Um, so I, I'm a little bit uh, aloof when it comes to new friendships, but there's people like there's a guy I can think of in Orange County who I didn't know what a great person he was based on his values. I didn't know what a great person he was based on the path he was on. I didn't know what a great person he was based on maybe not pushing and hold accountable, but helping and lifting. And then my buddies told me, hey, he's a nice guy in Orange County. I went, hey, I got to be buddies with that guy. And we became buddies. So I think it's important to kind of just pause there a little bit with your how to, because I think people think about it and they don't do it. And it's not that hard. You don't go break up with the old friend. You just spend more time with the new friend and you get closer over time. So interesting that you've done that. And so you graduate from uh, Davis. You you had an interesting path at College Works. You were the number one manager. Um, then you got to put that on your resume. Uh, then you got then you moved into a DM. You got to put that on your resume. Then you became a VP. Put that on your resume. And then you came out and did Rayco. And you were up in Northern California. You decided to move it down to Southern California. And what sort of things are you doing now as an entrepreneur? What's your daily life? And how is it different now? You know, you're in YPO, so you have a bigger business. YPO is like a business CEO cult. I'm in it too. You were in Vistage. I was in that too. You were in EO with me. I remember that. And so you've kind of got these associations and this network that you formed outside of your friendships. You're spending time in that. What else are you doing on a daily basis as an entrepreneur at the level you're at now? And how does it differ from when you were starting out? Uh, well, the hours are definitely a lot less uh, than when I was starting out. And let's just stop for a second, because my daughter said to me the other day, and I don't even know how she says this. I, I was in Michigan all weekend. I get home at one in the morning. I wake up, start working. You only work six hours a day. I said, no, there are days when I work six hours. There's days when I don't work at all. But in the beginning, you worked your absolute ass off, right? 
I mean, you were working when you were at College Works as a manager doing as much as I think back then the average manager did 50 grand. You were doing you did 250. I think back then the most anybody had ever done before you was like 150. You did 250. You know, you must have had five crews or something. You worked your ass off, right? Oh, absolutely. I came home in the evenings, you know, after generating leads and knocking on doors. And, you know, he had to peel that shirt off me, right? <laughs> it would be covered in sweat and I wouldn't smell very good. And my girlfriend would say, hey, you, you got to go take a shower before you come to bed. Because, you know, I just worked hard no matter what. Like I wanted to make sure I hit my goal. So it was it was a lot of times it was multiple days a week and full weekends. Um, to yeah. get there. And so I just want to flag that. I had another guest on Joe Duran. And he mentioned that anything you do is hard. Being poor is hard. Being rich hard. Working is hard. Staying at home and not working is hard in a different way. So you chose the path of really rigorous work at a young age, working more than anybody else, doing maybe not working five times as much, maybe only working 50% more, maybe maybe twice as much, but achieving five times as much because there's an economy of scale. You did that at College Works. You did it as a DM. You did it as a VP. You went off and started Reiko and you worked your ass off. And now you get to harvest some of the fruits of that because you can hire some people that do that for you and give you more free time. So besides the lowered workload created by freedom of your early hard work, um, what else are you doing and how does it differ from the start? Uh, well, now my job is, you know, I, I play the visionary role within my business. And so so my focus is really pushing the vision to the team members that I have. And I also sit in the sales management role. So I manage the sales people and business development people, marketing people. Uh, most of that management comes from, you know, doing one-to-one. So I, I do a lot of one-to-ones with my team members, make sure they're hitting their, their goals and uh, their commitments that they made. And, you know, what I, what I spend a lot of time on within my organization is, is eliminating politics. I find that, that in a lot of companies out there, they spend a lot of time complaining, talking shit about their competitors, talking shit about people within the organization, but not really facing the issues head on. So really, we have a no politics policy within the business. So if we hear people that are not talking kindly of other people or people have problems with people within the organization, my job is to sniff those out and solve them as quickly as possible. And that, for me, just really clears up communication lines between people so that when an order is given, I know they're going to be able to, to do it to their best abilities. It's, it sometimes isn't the funnest job to do it, but it's really, really um, rewarding when you hear people, even that have left your business, they come back and say, well, that was just a really great working environment because I felt like I was really supported. And you weren't running your, your company, say, like a, a regular $20 million construction company. You, you were running it like a Fortune 500 business. And that's that's really you know my attitude towards it is is I I want to run it at the level of the business I'm going to be in five years right. So you're driving the vision, which is I'm assuming a collective vision that's built over time, and it's probably a written vision, and there's a vision statement and a strategic plan and a mission statement, and you're driving that as the CEO of this big business. You're driving culture, and you're focused on eliminating politics as a key part of your culture, and I bet a bunch of things trickle down from that. You've got a specialty where you're in there managing the sales, probably because you're really, really good at it. You're, you don't want to um, delegate that. And so you're wearing maybe a couple hats. What was it like when you were starting off? And maybe give us a little story of how Reiko started. And in the terms of someone that's 24 right now, listening in their car, thinking, okay, what do, what do I need to do? What am I missing? How do I get this done? Yeah. So in the beginning, uh, when Ricky and I partnered up, you know, our our plan was to go out there and we had a, we had a contract 
it was a solar contract and a construction contract. And it was supposed to come through. It was going to be a couple million bucks a year. And we were really excited about it. And so we, we put all our money into the business, hired a whole bunch of people. And within a week of starting the business, that contract fell through. <laughs> so after hiring everybody, making these plans for six months, eight months to, to get the business up and running, putting everything in order, putting our life savings into the business, we got a, we got a pretty big detour right in the beginning. So, you know, we, we sat down and we said, what, what can we do now? Like, what can we do with the time? What do we know? We need to get money in the door right away. So we, we literally went out there, Ricky and I, and started knocking on doors again. And we were like, hey, we learned this back at College Works. Let's go generate some revenue, get some money back in the bank. And, and then we could push our vision. And over, you know, that, that was probably the first six months or so we had to do that. So we were working, you know, Monday through Sunday, every week, you know, managing the business, Monday through Friday, doing sales on the weekends until we could really figure it out, get some money in the door. And that led to a lot of really great things for us. You know, we were able to start Rayco Energy. Uh, we had Rayco Development Solutions. And we built a lot of different businesses until we expanded down to Southern California about 10 years ago. And in the beginning, we were doing everything. I mean, it didn't matter if it was, you know, walking with a client or doing an estimate or, you know, managing the financials or making deposits in the bank or putting out fires. We, we had to do everything. And then about 10 years ago, you know, when I, that was about eight, nine years ago, I decided I wanted to run the business on my own. And that, that's when I kind of restarted the business for myself and became the sole owner of the business. Um, I felt like I could be the most accountable individual and I could really grow it to a 20 plus million dollar business. And I didn't share that vision anymore with my previous partners. So, so we separated that at that time. All right. So in a startup, I think there's some lessons here. Expect the best plan for the worst. So what's the worst case scenario? We lose our contract. We have no revenue. Probably didn't plan for that. But if you're in the car right now, listen at 1.5 speed and you have a business idea and you're all you got to get is 10% of the market share. All you need to do is get every American to give you $1 and you'll be rich. Um, <laughs> sit, I've heard that before, by the way. Uh, sit down and think about what could go wrong. What's the worst case scenario? What would I do? Ask yourself a bunch of what if scenarios. If this happens, what will I do? What if this happens? What if this happens? And you can kind of plan out some of these scenarios. However, you're never going to go start a business under one contract and expect that to cancel. They do say have multiple sources of revenue. Don't have too much of your revenue coming from one client, but you got to start somewhere. And had you not done that, you wouldn't even started your business. So sometimes you got to take a chance. I'm not telling people to not take a chance, but eventually you're going to have to reevaluate, adjust, and you test your persistence and resilience. So you already knew you had the ability to adjust because you changed jobs, changed uh, careers, gone off and started a business. You already knew you had the persistence. You already knew you had the resilience and you already knew that you and Ricky could work hard. So you'd prove that over time of knowing each other back to your five closest friends who you surrounded yourself with. You're with people at all times. You can have a partnership with. I had a partnership with you. You were a person that people wanted to do business with. So you're a person people want to do business with, hanging out with people that people want to do business with, and it comes together. You're not a loser hanging out with people that are crushing it, and you're not crushing it hanging out with losers. So you've had these lessons throughout life, and you're working hard, you guys are doing well, and then you just have a change of vision. So when you have a change of vision, you split the company up, you guys are still best friends, and you go off and start under a unified vision because the job of a CEO is to drive a vision. How do you do that? And I've, I've been in business where we didn't have a vision before for a few years. It sometimes happens, but you found a vision and didn't really restart again. You, you had the San Diego and he had the NorCal and then you just kind of kept your own area. Is that what happened? Yep. That's, I kept all the rights to the business down in Southern California. Um, you know, what's interesting, what you say is the lessons you get, right? And I think when you're starting a business, you think everything is really going to be linear. 
right? You put it on your spreadsheet and you're like, okay, week one, week two, month, week, month two, yeah, here's yeah. my KPIs. I got it all. Everything is going to work out perfectly. All I got to do is X, Y, and Z, these metrics, and they're all going to work out. But what you really have to remember is that you're going to get a lot of feedback along the way. And in most cases, you know, th- I really t- truly believe things do happen for a reason. So you lose a key employee, you lose a key contract, you know, you have a major disaster, you get, you get a lawsuit, you get things that are going to happen. But w- the way you have to face those things is that they are truly feedback and that you need to take your learnings from those things and then just read your rep. You can't, you can't take it personally. If you sit down and take it personally, you're going to eat yourself alive, right? Yeah. So starting a business, it, it's, not a, it's not a straight bar curve. It's not linear. It looks a lot like a stock ticker. And maybe the more experience you have, the harder working you are, maybe the smarter you are, maybe the more persistent you are, you can narrow the the pings along the line and make it less of a jagged stalker. But you're trying to get to this straight line. And for me, it's taken 30 years and I'm still trying to get there. It's a much straighter line, less complete changes, less complete turns because you're in the business longer. You know what you're doing. But as you're first starting off, you're kind of inventing what you do. And then later on, you had this crazy turn because the vision uh, was no longer aligned. And now you've been running it down. Now you've been running it by yourself, growing it by yourself under your own vision. And what is the what is the key to your vision and how do you share that with your team? You said your job is to share the vision. What are you doing to do that as a CEO now? You know, we really want to make sure that we cash checks that we make right to our clients and the promises we make to our clients. And I think a lot of companies in this space, especially coming from my background, being really, really good at sales and and knowing how to build relationships, you know, you, you can sell anything, but being able to actually deliver on it is something completely different. So, you know, when we, when I took over at just Southern California and started running the business on my own, you know, one of my number one focuses was I didn't want to have salespeople. I wanted to have people that were purely based on, you know, production and purely based on the end result and delivering on the promise. And if we did that work would just naturally come in the door. So until actually last year, we didn't have salespeople for the first like seven years. Now, I mean, obviously you have to have people that bring in sales, but I focused more on the people that produce the actual work on a continuous basis. And our, our values in the business are, you know, pride in workmanship. I want to make sure that Anybody in my business that goes out there and looks at a job, if they see a glass railing system or a stair system or a roof or a window system, I want them to be able to put their name on it and say, hey, I'm proud of that work and I'm going to be proud of that, that work for years to come. The second one is honesty and transparency. You know, We want to be honest with our clients and we want to be transparent as possible. They know what they're getting into. They, they know what our promises are. We know what their promises are to us. And just be really clear with them. Like, Get this shit out on the table in the beginning. And, and let's talk about it and figure those things out. And if we can figure those things out, let's do business together. If we can't, let's, let's each walk away happy at that point rather than getting in bed together. Um, and the last one is really just doing things for the greater good. You know, I, I want to know that uh, what I'm doing is, is going to be good for the economy, is going to be good for my employees, it's going to be good for their family. And it's really just doing right by them and right by the communities that we work with, whether it's a hotel or a community or a multifamily property. I want to know what we're doing right by them. Um, that also means doing right by the business. It has to make the business money. The business has to be profitable because if the business isn't here in 10 years, that's not good for my clients either. So as a as a small, small startup entrepreneur, you're not yet a CEO. You're tracking your sales goals. You're measuring your conversions. You're measuring uh, your revenue hopefully measuring your profit and you're moving and you're looking for momentum and you're looking for growth and speed. Eventually you grow up a little bit 
and you have to focus on the systems and the longevity of the business. And so that's when the vision, mission, values, that's when the culture really starts to matter. The culture doesn't start in the middle. The culture starts at the beginning based on who you are, but eventually you start putting it into a way that other people can use it. So if you listen to Gabe right now, there's terms that he's using, and I love it. You can't bounce your promises to customers. Don't bounce that check. And that's a, if he says that in his company, I'm sure everyone will understand what that means. And it's so important to the CEO to drive these values that everybody says they have. And we have the value of integrity and we want to make sure we're uh, cashing our promises. And you talk about keeping everyone on the same page. You're constantly using these terms. You're bringing up the values. You're driving the culture through your example. So that's become a bigger part of your business. And the sales management, that's the little piece of the old CEO keeping track of the numbers. But in those one-on-one -on -one meetings, pointing out, hey, how does this align with our values? Hey, how are we tracking what happened with this customer and they promise we made? It's become, as you get later in, in your business career, more than just goals and metrics and trophies and uh, revenue numbers. Interesting. What do you think the, uh, what's the most fun part about being a CEO for you besides being able to go fishing with your customers and calling at work or being able to fly down to uh, Buenos Aires from a plane to a private plane to another private plane to a private island and and I'm assuming you guys were talking about work down there because you were with YPO and you could write it all off. Besides those two things, uh, what's the best part about being a CEO? You know, I really love seeing people in my organization uh, set goals and achieve them and and deliver, deliver, right? And so being able to see one of my project managers work on a job for two years, uh, wanting to hit a particular profit margin and have a happy client and doing that final walk with them and seeing that he did it or she did it. Like that makes me feel really good. Like there's a feel, there's a self fulfilling piece there for me. Um, and then I also like knowing that that well, what I said earlier is what we promised our client actually happens. So I think those are probably the most rewarding parts. Um, I also like celebrating with my team. So we just took our entire team down to Cabo, um, our leadership team for hitting our goal last year. Uh, we overhit it by a million bucks, and they were they were all super excited. So we took them down on a luxury vacation with their significant others. And watched whales from the beach in Cabo. We did go fishing for one of the days. Uh, ate, you know, five star meals every night. Did you win? And that was just great to, to see. Did you win the fishing contest? Because I know there's no way you went fishing without some sort of contest. Did you win? <laughs> yeah, we always win. <laughs> you, had, you had a contest, you caught the biggest fish. I'm, I'm sure you did. Actually, I let them reel all the fish in. Oh, you hooked them and let them reel it in. Okay. So it's interesting, though. Um, and you've always been a somewhat humble person. I'm not saying people need to be humble, but I do find that people like you and me and God, you remind me of my brother's really good buddy from college, Will Green. You look exactly like him. You talk exactly like him. You have the same kind of personality of lifting, right? You're getting your energy from lifting others, helping others achieve their goals, helping others celebrate. And while they rise, you rise too. It's the the business, your business culture is the tide that's rising all the boats in the business. Everybody's winning. And that's your job to make a culture like that, to make a business where all the teams jive together and all the people jive together. And there's no politics and no one's leaving anything on the table. No one's got regrets back to your definition of excellence. And everybody's rowing the same way. And the tide is rising all boats. I was going to mention just our, our motto. You just mentioned boats again. So our motto in the business is whatever makes the boat go faster, right? From, from traction, from Gino Whitman. And everybody in the business, that's how we make decisions. Is that when we're doing our leadership meetings um, or management meetings, and somebody brings up a, an idea or 
or something brings something to the table, the idea, the question is, does it make the boat go faster? Are we going to be rowing in the same direction? Or, or is someone's paddle going to be hanging out on the back? Um, you know, how are we going to deal with this weather? You know, all those types of things. What's going to make the boat go faster? So we, we talk about that a lot in the business. And in the long term, you know, not not fulfilling your promises, leaving those promises to bounce and uncashed checks, that makes the boat go slower in the long run. So as a CEO, you're evaluating what's short term, what's long term. And uh, I had a follow up question to kind of what you're doing now. When you look back at, at you know, the all the hard work from when you were younger and you, your college days in your in your earlier life. You, you made some sacrifices that probably felt pretty painful at the time. Maybe you didn't go down to Cabo with some buddies at spring break or whatever it was. What sacrifices are you constantly thinking about that you made in your younger years that you would tell yourself to do all over again for the listeners? Are you referring to sacrifices as things in, in sense of things I missed out on? Maybe things you missed out on. Yeah, maybe. However you want to. Yeah, I, I don't really look back at my life that way. Um, I think I've had an awesome life so far and I'm going to continue to have an awesome one. Um, I, I don't think I really missed out on a whole bunch, honestly. Uh, my roommates in college were were pretty happy that, you know, they were able to eat sushi and go out to nice dinners and they had someone like me who was actually able to pay for it. <laughs> I, I'd made a lot of money when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old with you guys. And that was that was fulfilling for me as well. Um, I also learned how to spend money really fast too, Matt. That wasn't me, man. I'm not the guy that took you guys to the club and oh, I gotta tell you this. I gotta tell you this, and we'll we'll leave it running. My son turned 21. Awesome. And after all these years of going to Vegas with all of you all, and I wasn't the one causing you to spend your money. I was paying the bill. And I remember you <laughs> it just had the towel. You spent $27,000 on a bar tab. It was 90. It was, no, it was, it was over two. It was $90,000. <laughs> and the budget was like $6,000 because we left you alone. So don't blame me for that. I can't even believe that. And that was like 15 years ago. I got to play. If Sean Baldwin, you're listening, this is how you treat your people in your company. If you really love them, you let them go crazy. And I don't even think I was there, but I remember it was Tao and some other place. Anyway, all these years of going with you guys, my son's going to hear this will be the one my son listens to. And so it's time to take Jake. And we've been working up on it for years. I've been sending him videos from the best club standing next to Snoop Dogg or standing next to 50 Cent or whoever it is that's there that day standing right in front of us at the best table. So I took Jake and we went during CES, which was amazing. And we had the best time him and about five friends. They're much more mellow than the college works people. We kept the table just to ourselves. He didn't want any, what did he call them? Random heads. The people that come into your table and enjoy the party with you, but we had the best time. And I finally got to do it with my boy. So back to what I was saying, a lot of times people will talk about, you know, missing out on something, but you know, they're glad they did. You're saying that you organized your time and organized your priorities so much that you didn't have any sacrifices. And if you did miss a, a video game stint with your buddies, you came back with some sushi and made up for it. So no regrets at all. I really don't. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of what I was saying earlier too, is that, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I want to know that I did everything I possibly could and made the most of every experience. You know, I bring that into, into fishing or my family or travel or work. You know, I want to know that I really did give it all and feel good about myself when I'm when I'm going to bed that night. And so I, I don't I don't feel like I have a whole bunch of regrets, you know, for for missing things. I know that um, anytime you do anything challenging, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna miss out on some stuff and you're gonna make choices. And there's trade offs, right? So you you get to choose one thing over the other. You know, if you want to uh, exercise every morning at 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 five a.m., like you're gonna have to trade off to go to bed at nine o'clock, right? 
you know, maybe you can't stay up as late and watch, uh, you know, your favorite Netflix show. So there's, there's always going to be trade-offs, but as long as the trade-offs are benefiting, benefiting you more, you know, there shouldn't, there shouldn't be any regret around those. All right. And I, I've known you for a long time. So you, I, I can honestly say I've never known you to do anything, but not leave anything on the table. Interesting. So I mean, you've been the, I think, I don't remember the numbers past the first year, but you know, the best close to the best record setting and a lot of things. So I wonder how many people can say they don't have any regrets. I've been pondering myself and I don't think it really makes sense to sit back and ponder and beat yourself up, but it's interesting to think going forward, are you doing everything you can, not leaving anything on the table, making sure that when you go to bed each night, you had no regrets. And if you have a minor one, making sure you don't have another one tomorrow. Are you surprised by where you're at today and how things are going and this wonderful lifestyle you have in this great business, a great team that you're working with? Is it surprised you? Would it have surprised your 20 year old self? You know, I would say that it surprised myself. You know, my path again has not been linear and in order to get here. And I've had a lot of detours in order to get here. I didn't expect that I would get here the way that I did and in the method I did. So I, I think I think I would surprise myself. I, I hope I'd make myself proud at that time of where I've come. So anything that you that I that we've left out here that someone's thinking about starting a business, um, they're thinking about becoming a CEO, anything that we've left out that they need to know? You know, as far as anything I like to share with other people, I think it's, you know, a lot of what you do is about resilience, right? And and being able to get out there and work hard. But, but also work smart as well and, and be as consistent as possible. And just know that you're going to get feedback and you're going to get learnings along the road, which might be in the form of failures or challenges that you might face. But, you know, I wouldn't dwell on those things. You know, I, I, I try to focus on being able to get on to the next day and, and move on and try to give yourself another, another best shot you can. I think, you know, a lot of times people go out there, they try something once or twice, they, they get some negative feedback, and then, then they don't try again. You know, you, you just got to keep trying. And, and I think that's what a lot of people miss sometimes is that it's it's absolutely going to be difficult. And I'll just be 100% blunt right here. You know, I've been running my business for 15 years. I didn't make money eight of those years. You know, there's been major challenges in the business. That, you know, we, at one point we had over a million dollars worth of debt that I had to commit to, to paying off when I was uh, deciding to move my business at, uh, away from having my partners. And that's a big commitment. But knowing that I did it and having the confidence that I did it, you know, that that built up resilience for myself. Okay. Well, I appreciate you making time and sharing. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for being excellent. And thank you for being on the edge of excellence today. Oh, okay. Thanks, man. That was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the edge of excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.